Welcome to Main Menu for the week of April 3rd through April 9, 2015. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are very pleased to have you with us here on Main Menu today. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We are glad you have dropped by, and we hope you continue to drop by to hear all that's going on on Main Menu. And we'd even invite you to come to the Main Menu webpage and Join us in the conversation on the Main Menu Friends mailing list. You can get signed up for it at our webpage at mainmenu.acbradio.org. And we'd sure like to have you visiting with us. If you had been on the mailing list this week, you would have heard about a couple or so new things going on in the assistive technology field. Maybe before most of anybody else in the country even heard about it yeah how about that uh, so you want to get on out to the main menu page and get signed up and you can have conversations with other listeners from main menu conversations with folks from the main menu staff and learn about things that we don't even get a chance to talk about here on main menu just because there's only so many minutes in an hour huh okay well let's see today on main menu we We'll be visiting with a representative from Perkins Solutions, formerly known as Perkins Products. We're going to be looking at some of their different products that they produce and some other products that they sell at Perkins Solutions. And I think you'll find it to be a very interesting interview and we'll talk about a number of different products that they sell that you may be very interested in knowing about. And then we get on into part two of the NVDA 2015 keynote address from NVDA Conference 2015. And this part will primarily be question and answer period with the developer of NVDA from NV Access. And they'll be talking about some of the access to different Windows products by NVDA and what is out there now and what they're anticipating and some of the things they're working on improving access to and um, I think you'll find it to be another presentation that's very interesting and shows that NVDA uh, for a free screen reader is getting to be a very powerful screen reader and one you may very likely like to take a closer look at these days. All right, very quickly this week in assistive technology, there was one big announcement that you may or may not have heard about. On the 31st of March, Freedom Scientific announced a merger with Abbasi, uh, the folks that produce a lot of the OCR stuff out there. They've got a number of things and some large print things that they use digital cameras for and uh, several different OCR solutions and they have merged and they say they're going to do this in order to provide to people around the world more access to print 
through OCR and so it will be interesting to see what happens with that over the next months and years but that's the big thing in the assistive technology field for this week and you want to kind of keep a watch on that and see what happens with that we're going to go ahead now and get into this week's program you have a great week and we'll see you back here again next week on main menu Is there a product that you use in your daily life that you think other Main Menu listeners should know about? Is this something we have not yet covered on Main Menu? Do you have the ability to record a high-quality demonstration for us that will be beneficial to the rest of our listeners? If the answer to these questions is yes, then we encourage you to submit content to our program. To begin, first, contact us by email at mainmenu at acbradio.org to ensure that we have not already covered or are currently working on coverage of your product. If we have not covered this product, you may record your demo and submit it to us through any method that works for you. We will soon be in contact with you to give you any feedback on your segment and let you know when it will air. If you have questions on this process, please get in contact with us. Listener contributions to the show are very important here at Main Menu, and we hope to hear your voice on the show soon. Okay, I'm with the fine folks from Perkins, and I have Joe with me, and Joe is going to tell us all about what's new with Perkins. And thank you, Joe, for coming on Main Menu. Well, thank you, David. Uh, hi, this is Joe Martini, Director of Assistive Technology at Perkins Solutions, formerly known as Perkins Products. What we have um, is we have our smart brailler that has been out on market for a couple years. It's uh, a braille mechanical braille writer that has a audio and video output. It also uh, is programmed to uh, speak in eight different languages right now, and we're developing more all the time. It has a built-in application building on patterns as well. We also have here a couple tools for early education. We have the Light Aid, which is an innovative technology that uses light and color for young learners with visual impairment, deafblindness, learning disabilities such as autism, and it uses, it's a small, it's like a light, a big light bright that has 224 LED lights and it has up to 64 exercises that can be programmed with it. Each of the exercises are aligned with an aspect of the core curriculum or common core curriculum. And they're grouped in um, packages that are designed to support pre-literacy skill building, mathematics, English and language arts, and the expanded core curriculum. Along in the early education arena, we have an intact sketchpad, which is a tactile graphic solution, which uses thermoform paper and a sturdy frame and support, and a stylus is used on the, on the plastic paper to create a raised image. Okay. It can be used with for teaching math and science, but even with adults, it can be used as an orientation device to draw some very crude maps of okay. uh, a particular space. Okay. We have uh, two uh, Perkins 
um, a display of refreshable braille, a 40 cell refreshable uh, braille device, and a Perky's Perkins Mini. And the last two, we have an Odin phone. The Odin phone is a completely accessible talking phone that it just has the basic functions of making a telephone call and texting. It's ideal for someone who does not want or can't handle all the functions of a smartphone. And lastly, we have Bradley Watch, which is a watch that has a magnetized ball bearings around the outside, and it tells the time by you can just feel where the ball bearings are and tell the time. So, and it's very well designed. It looks like something that was designed in Denmark. And that's about it right now, David. Okay, now let's let's go over a few of these things here. Uh, I have a few questions. You okay. mind? No. The Bradley Watch. Now, you say it uses ball bearings or something like that. Yes. Now, how does that work? I have not seen the Bradley. Well, I have one right here. You okay? Could you explain it a little bit? Okay, sure. It, it's just like a regular round faced watch. But instead of hands, it has a little ball bearing on the inside that indicates the minutes. And there's a ball bearing on the outside of the round face that indicates the hours. Oh. So. Okay. Okay, so so this one here would be. The minutes. The minutes. Oh, I get it. And along the outside, David, like right there at the top. Oh, okay. And that's, okay. Right up here, I'll hold it for you, right there. Okay. Is the ball bearing that would indicate the hours. Okay. All right. Well, folks, let me tell you, this is a a pretty neat watch. This is my first time getting to see it. And I've wanted to see this for quite a while. And, yeah, it looks very interesting. Now... How much is this going to set somebody back for this? The Bradley Watch, the, there's the metal version that you were holding. Uh-huh. It's $285. Okay. And the ones that have a leather strap is $275. Okay. So and it's the difference in the strap. Correct. And, oh, okay. you know, they're available. You can go to our website, PerkinsSolutions.org, and you can um, view them there, and, you know, you can make a purchase online if you'd okay. like. 285 and 275 Correct, David. Okay. All right. And then the the, uh, the two rail displays, you said the Perkins Mini, which I have one of those. Okay. Uh, and the... For detail... Is it, it, does it have all the same features in the 40, or? No, it had, does not have input keys. Okay, so it's just a display. Correct. Okay. And it is Bluetooth compatible. Okay. With your computer or handheld device. Okay. Your hand is on the intact sketch pad. Okay. And that is the Perkins, Perkins Mini. That is the Odin phone. Okay. Now tell me, though, on the Odin phone, is that, uh... Who's the carrier on that, or is it Arcane? There's two, there's two versions of the Odin okay. phone. There is a locked version uh-huh. that retails for 150 and that is locked to a T-Mobile service. Okay. And it's only a monthly service, so you don't get locked into a two-year contract. Okay. There's five levels of plans that uh-huh. range from $10 to $45. Each plan comes with unlimited texting, and okay. so the only difference is the amount of talk minutes. Talk minutes, okay. Okay. The, it does, 
the unlocked version is available, and that retails for 190 and that phone can be tied to any service. So if you had wow, Verizon, you could buy an unlocked phone, and you could exchange out the SIM card, and you could use the Odin phone. Okay. Okay. All right. And, but now you say it does just... Uh, text, just texting and, and voice. And voice, yes. Okay. It doesn't have any phone book or anything it, like no, that? No, it does. Well, it does have, you can manage all your contacts in it okay. as well. Okay. Okay. It just does not have, it does, you can't speak to it like a iPhone with Siri. You have to just press the button. But everything you do, it you get audio feedback. Okay. All right. You get audio feedback. So you can talk to it or you can... Could use buttons, I assume, to control it too, if you want. Correct. For menus and so forth. Correct. Okay. Okay. All right. And so the Perkins Mini. What's the price on that? Uh, Fifteen hundred and forty-nine dollars. Okay, and that's got uh, that's got uh, a note taking, note basic note taking. Yes. Uh, it'll read text files and Braille files. Correct. And it's uh, and it's Bluetooth compatible. It's, since it's. Uh, Mini, small, it's perfect for when you are out and about and um, pairing it with your iPhone to read your emails and other, you know, quick Or the CSUN program, or... Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Mine's setting my drawer up upstairs because I didn't think I wanted to bring it in here. <laughs> for, for, for going to meetings, it's great. For the exhibit hall, maybe not. Exactly. <laughs> That's right, maybe. <laughs> But, uh, okay. All right, and, and you can also, um, so yeah, you can do it by Bluetooth to your iPhone or whatever. Great. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Hey, David, thanks for stopping by. Up next is Z Vanover. Uh, I have two questions. One is in regarding the uh, <clears throat> Braille and one is regarding uh, as I listen it correctly that you're going to move uh, or you moved I don't know if I have uh, properly heard it um, the translation system to the uh, NV access service does it mean that assembler will uh, die for us so that uh, the translation system is going to switch to GitHub, or uh, are we, as the translators, uh, will still use Assembla SVN uh, as a starting point? Uh, the second thing is uh, a user's uh, ability for uh, custom Braille tables a selection by the user. So, for example, there are many tables in LibLuis provided, and <clears throat> users who uh, know which table is needed by themselves, um, and they know that the they this table is in LibLuis, uh, they want to have it included. Uh, why not to create a dialogue which will allow this uh, intervention from a user side. Okay, firstly, to your question about Braille, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. We may consider it. I'll have to talk to Jamie about it, but um, 
you know, obviously, uh, priority-wise, NVDA is open source. Anyone can go and um, add that feature if they really want it. But um, I don't think it's really, you know, that important. We try to only include Braille tables which have proven to be stable and uh, with with Libluy to to stop any confusion. Um, and as to your other question, no, it'll still be Assembler and SEN for a while yet. Uh, there are no plans to move away from that, uh, as I told you a few weeks ago. Thank you. All right. Thank you uh, for that question. And SVN means subversion. It's another version control like it. Uh, version control is a software that allows people to keep track of changes in whatever project they're doing. Okay, let's take some time to take some text questions. If you have a text question, please go to the chat window from the edit field. Please just type your text. Uh, please, uh, while we uh, listen to mix answers for the next person, uh, the next one, uh, Hank, please get ready with your question. Thank you very much. I wanted to first of all say awesome keynote, and I love your screen reader. I have only been using it a short time, but I hope to make it my primary screen reader. I do have a question. Um, do do uh, does NVDA work? with any call centers, whether it be uh, work from home call center jobs or, you know, some of these, you know, call centers that handle inbound and outbound calls like customer service. And then the next, I guess, part of this question is what, if any, um, corporations at this point in the U.S. use NVDA in the workplace? Uh... We don't have any specific support built into MVDA for any of the call center applications. Most, you know, are obviously sort of custom built. Um, obviously, the the way around this is that um, through our you know, corporate support model or whatever, a call center would be able to um, <clears throat> would be able to contract NV Access or indeed any other person offering um, scripting for MVDA, and they would be able to you know for a fee uh, script that uh, support for that call center application. So um, it's pretty much <clears throat> impossible to support all call center applications out of the box. There's just too many of them. But as I say. <clears throat> um, there are people around, including MV Access, who would be qualified to be able to script for um, those specific applications, just the same way as you would have done for, uh, you know, scripting with, with JAWS or whatever. Um, I can't remember if there was another part to your question or not. Sorry. Yeah, it, it was um, what um, corporations, uh, you know, like, you know, main companies support that. And thank you for for your uh, response on the call center software. I figured as much, but I you know wanted to to double check. I used to work at a call center and they used proprietary software, and it was a nightmare. So sorry, I still didn't follow that last bit of your question about other corporations. Is there I guess like um, big name companies that use NVDA um, as far as I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm trying to think of how to word this properly. Um, I guess what what companies, for example, like banks or you know ma major companies, is any of them? Uh, do you you know work with them on their applications? Do you support any of of those? Okay. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, we we don't really have support for any internal applications for big corporates at all. I mean, most of them probably wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't really work like that. But as I said, you know, you could you could hire us or another person to to script in that situation. Having said that, though, we do work with some of these big corporates. Um, so, for instance, uh, I know that 
uh, well, we don't work with them directly, but I know that they use NVDA. So, so for instance, J.P. Morgan Chase, big you know financial thing in the U.S. Um, they they certainly test all their websites with NVDA and seem to be having great success with that. Um, I know that um, Sapient Global Markets, of course, were you know providing Indian developers for NVDA. Um, as I said, Microsoft, Google, Adobe, Mozilla, Yahoo have all worked with NVDA currently or in the past. Um, that's all I really know off the top of my head, but I would say that most most banks nowadays would be testing with NVDA, certainly on the web side of things. As for you know supporting blind employees internally, um, I don't know if we're there yet in terms of the popularity of NVDA to be used greatly in corporate environments, but obviously with a lot of the work we've been doing in the last year with support for Microsoft Outlook and things like that, I think things will be changing now in, in that department. Sounds good. I appreciate, the, the, I appreciate the answer to the questions. And once again, keep up the awesome work. And we got some text chat questions. Uh, the first question related to a call center is, Doug Lee asks about scripting developer third-party apps, and is it still required that it be licensed using GPL or whatnot? Yeah, that's still a requirement, and it's it's really a sort of a, a default in the sense that because the add-on accesses the internals of NVDA and NVDA's GPL, there's no real way around that. It just, you know, it just is the fact. Um, obviously, we have one exception to that, which is that you can bundle, in your add-on, you can bundle non-GPL libraries uh, and call into those libraries from your add-on. So, for example, a speech synthesizer engine or something like that, that's okay, as long as that engine doesn't uh, somehow call back into NVDA itself. Uh, everything has to go through the, the GPL add-on. Um, I think it's, yeah, I'm, it's still uh, in an interesting space at the moment, still being debated. Obviously, I understand why you're asking. I guess, you know, there'd be some, um, certainly from a big company point of view, some call centers and stuff which may not want that kind of code to be open sourced. But then at the same time, it's a really hard argument because, um, you know, it, it just benefits everybody if, if everybody shares shares their code. So, I mean, you know, it's a principal thing, but um, that's sort of what it is at the moment, really. And I mean, look, as much as I don't... It's a really hard one, you know, um, in regards to the licensing. I mean, if you were to develop something internally uh, for internal use uh, and you never publicize that fact, then I don't really believe much of the GPL applies to you unless, of course, it was somehow made publicly available that, you know, if the add-on was made publicly available, then, of course, you must provide the source code. But if it's, you know, if used for internal use, I don't really believe, and I could be wrong about this, I, d I don't think it applies. Okay, I see. The next text question comes from Tapper, and this person asks about wrapping feature, just like JAWS. Uh, I'll need more information on that. I, to be honest, I haven't used JAWS since 2006, so I don't really know. I think he said something about auto-wrap. Uh, I don't know whether he's referring to Braille displays or what. We'll have another audio question. This one, Mohammed, are you ready? Okay. Uh, well, look, Mozilla Thunderbird works really great out of the box already. That is my uh, personal email uh, software of choice, uh, and many other people use it as well. It's a very accessible uh, email client, just like you know, Firefox is an accessible web browser. We really uh, work very well with Mozilla products. Um, as for OpenOffice and LibreOffice, uh, it's coming along in leaps and bounds accessibility-wise already. Um, 
I personally contributed a little bit to open office accessibility at one point, fixing a few bugs here and there, making it a bit more stable. Um, and of course, we must thank IBM for contributing the you know 90, 99% of the accessibility code for Microsoft uh, for Open Office from its uh, Lotus Symphony uh, project. Um, so yeah, look, Open Office and LibreOffice are both rather accessible with MVDA. It doesn't right now have all the sort of extra features that. Uh, we've added to Microsoft Word and stuff such as your browse mode and all that, but there's no reason why we wouldn't be able to add some of that stuff. Just got to get around to time. We chose to do Microsoft Word first, uh, partially just to sort of get into the corporate space a little bit more, um, which is really... Uh, as much as we obviously our major reason for existing is to help people who cannot afford other screen readers, um, we chose to focus on the corporate sector a little bit uh, due to, I guess, opinion in the blindness community perhaps, as in um, obviously someone who can't afford a screen reader can go and get NVDA, but then when they're talking to their fellow blind people who are all using JAWS in their lovely corporate environments and they're being told recommended JAWS, it becomes very hard for us to, to keep up... Uh, uh, you know the the um, that so um, sometimes we have to you know take a little bit of a turn and look at some of this corporate stuff um, even if it is just for opinion and then yeah then we you know we go back to looking at things like open office and LibreOffice so maybe you might see some uh, extra features and stuff for those two products in the not too distant future but um, already they're they're certainly rather usable I'd say performance is certainly better in OpenOffice and LibreOffice than it is in Microsoft Word at the moment uh, with NVDA. Okay up next Paras I heard you had a question. Yes uh, I have a question about uh, the two questions the first question is if you hit the Kevlar key in the letter F Currently with Word, uh, you don't get, uh, for example, when you're double spacing a document or you press like Control 2 double space, NVIDIA doesn't announce if it's the document double space and stuff like that. I don't know uh, if, if, if that feature is available or there or maybe I don't know anything about it, but that's my first question. Second question is Braille contracts. Uh, contracted Braille. I know you guys don't support it currently, but are there any plans of supporting it? Because I think JAWS have it now, and if NVIDIA has it, that would be the, I mean, really, really good feature to have. Uh, for many, many, many things like Google Docs and stuff like that. Thank you. Okay, a few points. Um, the first one, uh, no, we don't support uh, getting that information from Microsoft Word. It could easily be done. Perhaps you might want to file a ticket in our tracking system so that we don't forget uh, that. There may be one already there, so search as well. Um, uh, I would, I guess I should point out, though, also that we try and only list information that is really relevant, semantically relevant uh, to, you know, the, to the document in terms of, you know, font size and stuff can convey headings and things like that, or color can convey certain information. Double spacing, on the other hand, although it obviously changes the layout visually and may make it easier or harder to read, I don't really know what it really conveys semantically, so we never believed it was that important. I understand, obviously, that as a blind person, if you're required to do double spacing, that you need to know that it's on or off, but then really what you should be just doing is checking the actual setting in Microsoft Word itself anyway. Um, we certainly don't want to be putting too many things into that NVIDIA plus F uh, shortcut uh, key. Having said that, though, I believe there is some work going on to uh, have it so if you press it twice, it'll put the information into 
to sort of like a Asmo document thing which you can then uh, navigate that's not certainly not being developed just yet but I believe we're working on it um, so then we may be able to add some extra information there but yeah I'd really say don't don't rely on NVDA F all the time for everything just go and check the setting I think in Microsoft Word it's probably you know that's that's the easiest thing to do um, especially for something you know sort of non-semantic like double spacing um, as to the question about Braille and contracted well we already support contracted output so I assume you don't mean that um, contracted input is really hard and there's a lot of debate going on on the development list and tickets and somewhat um, in how to do this best obviously JAWS does it one way voiceover does it one way um, we want to settle on the, the best way possible before we run into something we know it's really important and we will certainly look into it um, but your argument about how JAWS has it and NVIDIA doesn't, that's not really useful at all. Um, we're not trying to be JAWS. Um, we're trying to be, you know, just simply useful to, to those who cannot afford commercial screen readers. And yes, contracted is important, but we try, we usually tend to ignore uh, arguments such as it's in JAWS. Um, sorry about, you know, pushing that point. It's just that um, it becomes very tiring after thousands of people telling you that. One person asks about Windows 10. And I do have a question about Windows 10 as well. Um, one person asks, since Windows 10, uh, presumably desktop and mobile has a common core, does NV Access plan to support Windows Phone 10? And my question about Windows 10 is, uh, or do you need any testers or anything like that to help you um, uh, support, help you write support for Windows 10? And are there any critical bugs that you found as you were testing Windows 10? Okay, uh, to the first question in regards to the common core between mobile and desktop, I have heard about this, but I don't really know what that means from a real point of view. We've heard this before from Microsoft with Windows 8. Um, it was sort of like they were heading towards it. Now with Windows 10, I believe it really is a common core, but not really sure whether that's true for the whole Win32 platform or just RT, um, because obviously, as we know, that we can't run NVDA on Windows RT tablet devices, uh, so ones with ARM the ARM processors uh, and this isn't obviously just because we can't compile NVIDIA for ARM that's something we probably could sort out uh, but due to licensing restrictions from ARM to Microsoft uh, they're not allowing any native uh, apps to run on those devices. Now it'd be really great if the common core thing was true and certainly it's something we'll investigate further. If we have the ability to run on Windows Phone, yes I think it's really important and we will move into that space but uh, until I have confirmed that that's you know really possible uh, we're not going to waste too much time on it just at the moment and um, you know. Um, now as to your other question um, yeah, I mean, look, we, you know, we're, you're welcome to do all the testing and give us feedback as much as you like. Um, it certainly makes our job a lot easier. I mean, because, you know, we've been so busy over the last few months with just administration and things like that and, and obviously working on other things uh, coming up with NVIDIA 2015.1, etc. I, I really hadn't tested, been able to test Windows 10 for quite a while. It was only, I think, two weeks ago I was able to quickly run uh, Windows 10, even though we've been getting builds from Microsoft for some time. Um, so I've had a very quick look at Windows 10. My Windows 10 install seems to be a little bit broken. Uh, my start menu now doesn't come up at all because Cortana crashes all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, once I sort that out, I'll have a bit more of a look. But um, yeah, just keep filing tickets. We'll, we'll certainly look at them. Certainly telling us about Windows 10 uh, is certainly very relevant right now and we'll certainly pay attention to to everything that's said. So please give us as much feedback as possible. Obviously, though, priority 
priority wise we may not look at it look at it as fast as we can because obviously windows 10 is still a fair way off um but uh, certainly you know certainly log everything as, as tickets and do as much testing as you can and we'll certainly pay attention to it next one we'll have an audio question Luis Carlos, uh, are you ready? I would say that they make that all the information was right. For Windows 10 for phones, are, um, so like the common code of Windows 10 is only one. Uh, say PC, phones, and tabs. And we say yes because yeah, I dream about using NVIDIA in a phone, so so it's um, much harder question for blind users want to use phone. Derek Reamer is next. Curious about um, NVDA and contributing uh, code separately. Currently, if I want to contribute code, it seems to take, I think there's like two or three tickets that I've submitted a patch to and um, seem to be stuck in a black hole. In other words, I have not seen any response for a while. Um, is there any way of making sure that those get recognized so that that those tickets get recognized so that um they can be uh turned so that i can or that they're included into the core uh look not really it's just a matter of uh jamie and i finding the time to review code obviously we understand it's not a, a suitable solution at the moment uh, we certainly i hope people have noticed that we have put in a bit more effort in reviewing in the last few months and we've certainly picked up pace quite a bit on that and you know there's more improvement to be done but at the end of the day code does need to be reviewed um before it goes into the core i'm sure you you understand um but it's just a matter of finding the time obviously only two employees in our organization uh, and we're doing the accounting the administration and all that and the development as well it's something that we want to change we want to um hire possibly hire another developer in the not too distant future and of course we want to bring on bring on board some uh, you know some of our top contributors as well to help us review code as well and in fact anyone who is a developer of nvda is welcome to review someone else's code as well um it certainly helps a lot um so and look you know give us a friendly uh whack somehow by you know a personal email or or whatever i mean don't be too annoying obviously but uh you know um if we've deliberately you know accidentally forgotten uh something of yours just just give us a, a reminder and we'll um, get around to it. We certainly appreciate all your contributions. Uh, we have a couple text chats regarding touchscreen support uh, from Gianluca and JT or Justin about uh, touchscreen support at this point. Sorry, what what is the exact question about touchscreen? I can go and find it, but what, what exactly did they ask? Sorry? Uh, Gianluca and JT were asking about the current um, status of touchscreens and are there any improvements? or plan to work on it. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, look, yeah, so we did obviously a great deal of work in 2012 uh, and then it sort of um, went to the background for a while. Um, yeah, we certainly have plans to work on it again this year. I know that uh, there has been some work in the community um, to enhance touchscreen support, and uh, that's really great to see. And we'll we'll review all that kind of stuff and see what can possibly from that be brought into the core of NVDA. Um, obviously, what we did in 2012 was sort of a real basic, you know, uh, a real basic uh, implementation, sort of prototypish, just to see what would work. And then it was great that the community has gone ahead and tried some other things and all that kind of stuff. So for, based on all that, you know, work, um, we'll come back and look at some more stuff. But um, yeah, I would, I, I, I do believe that touchscreen support is something on our agenda uh, for this year as as well. But um, I, you know, I think some improvements can be made, but I, I don't know um, if touchscreen support. Uh, I personally still feel uh, that 
we won't really come to a point where, you know, I certainly wouldn't be comfortable carrying around a Windows tablet with no keyboard whatsoever. I mean, I know we can all do it on iOS, but um, iOS has a much simpler layout to its uh, to its whole UI uh, for the entire operating system. Windows becomes a lot more uh, complicated with all its widgets and controls. Um, I mean, you know, we can certainly improve things more, um, but... Yeah, I'm not sure. Let's let's see where things go this year, but we'll certainly be looking into it a bit more this year. Next up is VGJ's question, uh, saying that um, uh, there are many screeners in, screen readers in China and they're performing really fast. Do you have any plans to improve NVIDIA's performance? I think we've done pretty well up to now. Um, we would need very specific information on where NVIDIA is lacking in performance. There's not too much more I can really say about that to be honest um it depends on your speech synthesizer it you know it depends on the speed of your cpu um all that kind of stuff there's certain things we could you know um people always bring up the the fact that it's written in python would that slow things down it may to a small degree but i, I really don't think it has much uh push on that at all but you know like we're interested in having the discussions but but a simple statement that the performance is bad is not really not really too useful really um you'll need to point out very specific scenarios tapper has a question i believe i i'm running windows 10 and uh, i was i'd use nvda because it's better with windows 10 than jaws but um one of the things what really uh i find a bit annoying sometimes is that when i'm on the internet when i'm browsing a web page sometimes i have if i get to the bottom of the page by accident so i'm skipping through links or headings or lists or whatever i have to um <clears throat> use control home to jump back up what was on about it auto wrap is that if you carry on if you carry on pressing a heading key with yours if it gets to the last heading in the page it auto wraps to the top it would it be possible for for that feature to be added to mvda Personally, I've always found that a little bit disorienting myself, but clearly it's a subjective thing, um, you know, because it doesn't do it by moving by line or anything like that, so why should it with quick navigation? But, um, you know, it's pretty simple to press control home. But having said that, uh, there's probably no reason why we can't add an option for it. Um, I think there is already a ticket open for it, so we'll investigate that if we have the time. Certainly not high priority, but um, it's good to hear that, um, you know, it's a feature that people want, so um, we, we might look into doing that as at least as an option. In okay, thank you very much. And I just say uh, build 9926 in Windows 10 is uh, pretty stable for me with NVDA. Um, only thing is it doesn't start automatically starts working when it very first boots up the password screen. But everything after that for me um, seems to be accessible, even the new settings dialog. So thanks. Good to hear. I mean, we didn't really do anything at all. We haven't done any work in Windows 10 at all. It's really about sort of just us following standards and, um, you know, using accessibility APIs as much as possible before starting to do, you know, screen scraping or trying to guess things. Um, yeah. Roger Stewart asks about, do you have plans to support Word Viewer? And after this question is answered, Bavia, you're next after Mick answers the question. Uh, if you mean the Word, the older Word Viewer, uh, I don't believe there's really any way we can support that. We've tried for years. Um, there's no object model or anything accessible from the word viewer. Um, but of course, if anyone has any ideas on how to do it, we'll certainly accept a patch. Uh, I know there's a new word viewer, and maybe this is what you're talking about in Windows 10. Uh, I think it's the word what's it called? I don't know, it's a Word 2016 Word Viewer or something, Touch View or something. Um, that one I haven't looked into yet. I believe there's a few crashes and things uh, which need to be investigated, so we'll look into that soon. Um, but certainly, uh, yeah, I think Word Viewer is, at least in Windows 10, is going to be pretty important, so we will look into it. Hello, I'm Bhavya Shah from India, school student, and I've been using NVIDIA since a bit more than a year, and uh, it's been a great experience. Regarding antivirus programs, the usable programs are like 
the popular one in the market like Kaspersky, uh, those aren't accessible or usable enough. So has, is there any work uh, that will be ta- undertaken regarding support for popular antivirus programs? Uh, look, the, there's a big problem with antivirus software at the moment being inaccessible, as we all know, many of the antivirus software programs are very inaccessible. And there's several reasons for this. One, one is the security issues. They're very uh, antivirus makers are usually very um, uh, they don't really want to implement things that they believe aren't important uh, because, you know, extra code means extra security risk. And this would even even include allowing things like screen readers to inject inside their applications and uh, get the extra information they need. So um, really this comes down to advocacy from the blindness community and, you know, uh, annoying the... Well, not annoying, but, you know, working well with these antivirus software makers and proving the reason why it's important for them to be accessible. Um, I would think that they would be affected by things like the um, US uh, Section 508 uh, and its 508 refresh uh, law that you know will sort of ensure that they have to be accessible so we'll see what happens there but it's yeah I think it really comes down to advocacy I mean screen readers can only do so much uh, but when nothing is actually exposed to the screen reader there's really nothing we can really do um, you can sort of script it to a particular point but I then it, you know the scripts break the next release or whatever and I don't think anyone would really want MV Access sitting there scripting you know release after release after release of, M- of antivirus software and not focusing on anything else um, so as I say this really is an advocacy thing um, where the whole blindness community need to get together and uh really show the uh, antivirus software companies that accessibility is important um, and of course MV Access is happy to work with these you know they can contract us or whatever if they need specific, specific expertise but they need to be shown from the community at large why they should even care I think at this point in time I think that's the first thing we need to do because it's not just one company here it's it's pretty much all the antivirus company. One more thing the Kaspersky add-on uh, how usable does it make Kaspersky? I haven't tested it myself. I wouldn't know. I've never used it. It's uh, it's a third-party contribution. I don't. And uh, David Pardon just sent a message uh, saying he is writing a script or add-on for Kaspersky. Uh, up next, um, Drew, please. Um, this is just to follow on to uh, your point earlier about advocacy and the uh, discussion about corporate partners that we were having earlier. Um, for a bit of background, I live in the Bay Area, so I uh, will occasionally do some work with, you know, I'll go down to like Palo Alto or Mountain View or Sunnyvale, you know, sort of Silicon Valley area companies and do accessibility testing for some of their people. They're making like web apps and stuff that they want to make accessible. And uh, I suggested one company that was having some trouble that they try NVDA and Firefox because uh, of its more strict adherence to web standards and things as a testbed. And I got a fair bit of uh, skepticism back, like how, you know, they hadn't really considered NVDA before because it was free. And so in their mind, free equated with, uh, you know, sort of a hobbyist project that wasn't very serious. Uh, So I guess my question would be, do you have a strategy uh, or if you don't have a strategy, then at least what what would you say, I guess, to, to try to prove to people who aren't going to use the screen reader as a screen reader that it is a serious effort that is worthy of consideration on equal footing with uh, other screen readers in the marketplace. I think the first thing is really, the question is, the company you were working with, were they willing to do accessibility testing at all? I mean, our job isn't to convert them necessarily from JAWS. Um, If they're happy testing with JAWS, if that's what they were doing, then there's nothing wrong with that. Or testing with voiceover, there's nothing wrong with that. The more, you know, the the bigger thing is, if they weren't testing at all, then them ignoring MVDA is, um, is, you know, rather, rather ignorant, I would say. Um, um, as in, you know, because it is a free solution. Um, 
also, I think they might want to knock on the door of some of their uh, pals in the in the Bay Area. Um, Google uh, being one. I mean, you know, they they're using NVDA all the time, and it's very evident. Um, you know, they've got their YouTube videos about how to use Google Docs with NVDA. Um, they're using NVDA for testing all the time. As I say, there's many major web accessibility testing agencies using NVDA now. The Passiello Group, which is a big accessibility testing organization, uh, primarily uses NVDA. That's uh, certainly their top choice. Uh, DeQ systems are using it. Um, you know, so I, I don't know how we can improve things. I think it's more getting the stories and, and testimonials from these these people, these companies who are using it. And, you know, that's something that NV Access can perhaps uh, improve a bit, maybe working with these companies to ask them for the testimonials. But yeah, just try and, you know, name drop it. I mean, it's not too hard to work out that they're not using it. I think, um, you know, people are quite open, especially at conferences like CSUN and all that. Everyone's very open about the fact that they are using NVDA. So um, I'm, I'm interested that you do bring it up because, I, you know, I... I um, the circles I'm in seem to suggest that NVDA is being, being used a lot, but clearly there are some companies still not. But, uh, but I still come back to this point, though, about if they are doing testing and they're happy doing it and they're using a commercial product, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if they're not doing testing at all and they're ignoring the free solution NVDA, then yes, there definitely is a problem. Um, okay, Doug Lee just asked about... Does Citrix is ask, uh, Doug Lee is asking about... Uh, does NVIDIA support Citrix and do you need to install it? And it, I would assume install means do you need to install NVIDIA in order for Citrix support to work? And uh, next one, Steve, at both ends, as he's asking. And Steve, you're apt to this question, please. Uh, no, NVIDIA does not support Citrix yet. We are planning to do it this year. We've done some preliminary, preliminary research on exactly what we will need to do. Um, We've, you know, found uh, what support Citrix does provide to screen readers and things like that, which there are some documents available uh, on their site, uh, including an SDK and things like that, and some documents explaining how uh, to work with screen readers. Um, so we'll be looking at that later this year, but uh, there is no work started on it yet. Yeah, um, so a little bit of background. Um, I'm an engineer for about 12 years plus. I moved since I was a teenager, and I'm at point where I like Zoom to CA at this point. I get a lot of audio. So I'm very interested in the uh, sort of STEM XSO math XSO parts that are all claimed quite test to be the step, but plenty too. Um, but my question is sort of what is on to do this regarding any other science or application that uh, you foresee supporting? Uh, that's a generic question. Down more specific. I'm just what, what's on the to do? Math is obviously we've got to finish off this current support for math, which just means stabilizing it and getting it into an official release of NVDA. And we're pretty much already there. Um, just a few little uh, hiccups to fix, just not working on you know, very specific configurations or whatever. But um, already, you know, it's providing really great access wherever MathML is is used on the net. Um, we want to, uh, some websites use a thing called MathJax to render their mathematical code. Um, we're currently trying to work with MathJax to, for them to expose their MathML in an easier way for screen readers to access, and hopefully that should happen in the next uh, release of MathJax. So that will make even more math content accessible online. Uh, I mean, an example of where this will help is in Wikipedia. By default, it's impossible to read math with NVDA. If you create an account on Wikipedia and go and change some settings, and tell it to use MathML, uh, it reads really well, 
but we you know we want the day where where you don't even need to do that and that will require uh, MathJax changing some things on their side to expose the appropriate stuff and uh, they seem to be open to it so hopefully it's going to happen in the next release um, some big things other than math are really support for charts and I know there's some you know wonderful things going on in uh, the W3C with the SVG Accessibility Task Force trying to make charts accessible there's another project chart uh, ML uh, run by Josh Mealy and uh, some other people um, trying to make charts accessible and I think there's some exciting stuff going on there and I mean obviously you know we can all access data in Excel or whatever but um, trying to get a, a good trend for a graph or sonification of a graph I think there's some great stuff that can be done in that area um, access to maps um, would also be great and again this comes back to support for SVG and touchscreens and things like that so I think we're really stepping into an age now where people are starting to look at all this technology and it's starting to come together and things are really changing um, you know five or six years ago we had some some ideas but no one was really willing to run with them and maybe the technology wasn't quite ready but as I said even just at CSUN conference this year so many things have just fallen together and, and it really looks like an exciting area at the moment and it sort of makes me wish I you know I'd go back to university and study again because uh, certainly with access to math now uh, you know back then we were all using LaTeX or whatever but those days are almost over now at least for reading math anyway um, we can you know so yeah things are really good at the moment but uh, we've got to move forward but it's just about following uh, you know whatever ideas people have whatever dreams and ideas um, anything's possible really and and the time is now really to, to start doing it all I'd like to open this up for anyone who ha who hasn't asked any questions yet if so please go to edit field and type q enter and then we'll, we'll recognize you and speaking of waiting for people to those who haven't asked a question to ask questions uh jim lucas says something about support for braille in europe jim lucas says according and uh, if users of europe say the support for braille in europe is basic at the moment or do you have any plans to improve that i'd need more information um i need to know exactly you know what you know, at the moment, it's certainly possible for people to use NVDA with Braille. We have a lot of blind deaf users using NVDA with Braille. And um, I know that some people want a sort of a more visual layout or something like that. Um, that's one aspect that could be improved, but um, you need to mention things like that. As in, if that's what you're talking about, then, yeah, we can have a conversation about that. But uh, simply just mentioning improvements, that's uh, not really sure what you're talking about. Suko asks about ability to edit IPA symbols in Braille. And add your next step to this. Uh, IPA symbols in Braille, I think someone would have to just add them to a LibLui table, really. I guess they're just all Unicode symbols. It was a question really out of observation about uh, people getting access to technology products and um, the trading or whatever, kind of unusing them. And I, and I wondered what the rationale was for charging uh, for the training that you mentioned during the keynote that you recently commissioned and why that wasn't being made for all free of charge along with the screen reader. We would, in a perfect world, want to make the training freely available, but um, and we certainly probably, you know, will be working with NGOs to make sure that in developing countries that training made it is made free. Um, for blindness agencies, we're not too sure on the deals yet. Um, but at the end of the day, though, um, yes, MVDA is free, but that means, you know, it doesn't at all mean that the training or support has to be free. In fact, I think that 
there are multiple benefits to the training and support uh, being commercial because, uh, one, it brings us in a bit more of an income because, I mean, we're living right on the edge all the time. Um, you know, well, obviously we have some support from Google, Adobe, the Nippon Foundation and some, you know, donations from users, but we're still living year to year not knowing whether we can continue the project or not. Um, and NVDA itself will always remain free, but um, there's always the argument that you know, uh, if people want these extra things, um, uh, then then you know there's no harm in asking them uh, to to contribute through through payment. Um, I don't believe that it's going to push away blindness agencies or anything. In fact, uh, it may actually be a, a uh, an advantage, certainly in places. Yeah, where governments and so forth that are trying to roll out MVDA, they're always looking for a way, uh, some kind of sale they can be a part of, uh, because a lot of these governments aren't willing to distribute something entirely free. They need sort of you know something on their on their uh, uh, on their on their cash uh, flow that says that they've actually bought a product. So them being able to buy a training and support package, um, apparently, certainly in Italy and other places, is really going to help them. Um, uh, be able to roll out MVDA in into the future. Just to give an update on the text chat, uh, somebody asked about um, does Adam need to be all released in GPL, and the answer is yes, according to Mick. Somebody also had a question about bugs in Firefox, and others responded by saying you might want to try after updating a Firefox. Uh, and Z Vonover has a comment, please. Uh, yes, I have a comment regarding the uh, IPA Braille. Someone. Here uh, said about a IPA, IPA Braille uh, code. It can be uh, it can be adapted in LibLui, uh, and even eSpeak can read it without any problem. Um, and uh, the thing which uh, we just need to do, someone who is uh, maintaining LibLui or who is wanting or who is willing to maintain. Um, he needs to uh, just take the uh, Unified International Phonetic Braille code and uh, do a Braille table for this using the IPA representation in Unicode. It can be done. Uh, somebody also asked about uh, speech play being improved. Uh, Mick said he's looking into it in hopes of improving it somehow. Uh, are there, since we're getting out of time, are there any last minute questions, comments, text comments, etc.? Uh, Mohammed Bavia just and Louis did. Uh, we may not be able to get back to you on time. You can stick around to check more about this. And we have a question from Neymar Neymar, or however he says it. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Neymar Neymar is next. So I'm using uh, MDBA daily. I've been using it for years now. Used the uh, 0.5 when it first came out. I work for a. Uh, for a, um, a vision rehab agency, and um, we have incorporated NVDA into our training, and uh, I'm using it full-time now with uh, the latest Chrome Canary and Firefox and Google Apps, so uh, thank you for the work that you're doing as well. Okay, uh, thanks very much. And Bhavya just asked about Skype regressions. Uh, latest versions of Skype, I believe it's 7.2, has introduced regressions. Do you have anything to say about it, and what do you plan to do about it? We'll look into it when we have the time. Um, I can't guarantee, I mean, probably 2015.2, but obviously we can't make that um, statement until we actually understand what problem. Anyone else has any last-minute questions, comments, etc., or maybe text questions? 
somebody just asked about are there any music software that works in VDA? Uh, so far, the best one would be Goldwave because I wrote the script for it. And Suku is asking. Will the site be translatable to other languages? I'm assuming NVD NVXS website, unless if I'm wrong. Uh, currently, we don't have any plans to translate MV uh, the the website into other languages. It's something we'll consider, but obviously we need to work out how to manage this well because the MVXS website itself is obviously a corporate website, and um, we need to ensure that you know information is is entirely correct. Um, but um, yeah, we'll we'll look into that. Um, just in regards to the question about music software, other music software, uh, Cakewalk Sonar. Cakewalk Sona is also accessible with MVDA, at least Sona 8.5. Uh, X3 is okay, but there are some issues with it. There is a, um, a project that is run by Jamie, um, which you can find on the net. Uh, look for the NVDA Sonar add-on he's written, uh, which does make Sonar quite accessible with MVDA. It's also worth noting that the Reaper music software... Um, is also becoming more accessible with NVDA. Jamie has also written an add-on, or is in the middle of writing an add-on for that, and that can be tested at the moment, and that looks quite promising as well. Um, so there's some uh, options at the moment. And somebody did correct me. I think it was Justin and JT correcting me that um, Hank was talking about authoring software. Thank you very much for that. Okay, two more questions. I'd like to give preference to those who haven't actually spoken up yet. Anyone? Otherwise, uh, we'll move on. Uh, David Pardon asks, will you plan to su add support for multilingual, multiple languages in wikis as like Wikipedia? Uh, I'm not sure. Nothing as of yet, but um, I guess it's possible. We'll look into it when we have it. Okay, in that case, I'll, I might be the last one to ask questions. And for those who weren't able to ask questions, feel free to stick around. Um, at least I will be here uh, answering some questions. I want to take a break. I guess uh, for me, uh, my, person my personal question um for me uh, and for any mostly for NV Access staff is do you have any big plans for NVDA's 10th anniversary next year? Uh, no, we don't right now, but um, I'm sure we will think about this over the next year or so. But um, yeah, I think we should do something uh, meaningful, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll have a think about it. I mean, if anyone has any ideas about what they would, you know, what they think might be good, um, you know, shoot them along via email or whatever, and we'll certainly consider them. We look forward to it. And NVDA. Uh, was quote born end quote in April 2006 so April 2016 is the 10th year anniversary well first of all thank you Mick for coming to NVIDIACon 2015 to be our keynote speaker once again thank you very much for all the things that you do and all the things that you've done in the past and all the things that you have for the future and so forth and we look forward to working with you in throughout this year and for years to come when it comes to including ac improving access to technology for people with disabilities, especially blind and visual impairment. On behalf of NVIDIA users and organization, um, once again, we thank you, Mick, for coming in to join us. And for users and our NVIDIACon listeners, this concludes the proceedings for the first day, March 14, 2015. Here at ACB Radio's main menu, we are always looking for feedback from our listeners. If you have any feedback about something that you have heard here on Main Menu, suggestions for things you would like to hear on future programs, or if you are able to record a product demonstration or interview for us, please get in contact with us by sending an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. 
That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also get in contact with us via Twitter. Our Twitter page is at www.twitter.com slash mainmenu, or you can follow at mainmenu with your favorite Twitter client. Finally, all of our contact information, past shows, and more can be found on our website at mainmenu.acbradio.org. Thank you for listening to Main Menu, and we look forward to hearing from you with your thoughts about our program. again for being with us today on Main Menu. We always appreciate having you here. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we'll see you back again here next week on Main Menu.